in the future. And they use, and they use all kinds of methods to try to find out. Uh, we've got our psychic hotline. We've got our palm readers. There's one right up here at Selma. I know a Christian lady that used to go to, to a palm reader. <clears throat> I can read their palms. I can read the palm reader's future. You're going to go to hell if you don't change your ways. You know, I mean, we use all kinds of stuff to try to find out the future. How many read your horoscope in the paper? Come on, I have. I haven't done it in years, but I have read it. Okay? Okay, and a lot of people go to these people that work out their star charts, and the stars were never meant to, to choreograph your life. But yet people go to these, these people that use the star charts what do they call what do they what do they call these uh, people that that use the uh, not astronomers but ast astrologers in it? What do they call them anyway? They use the stars. Now there's such thing as astronomers in the Bible. The wise men were astronomers, but there's some that use the stars as a means to kind of chart your course in life and tell you how long your life is going to be and, and you know possibly who you marry. How many went to the to the Chinese place, and, and in the mat, it says, what sign you were born under? A monkey? Who's a monkey here? How many is in a rooster? I mean, I forgot what I was. I told Linda I married the wrong animal. <laughs> I said, I know, now I know the reason we're having trouble is that I married the wrong animal. You're not, I'm not compatible with you. <clears throat> it didn't work. <laughs> I don't know, do they still have them on the table? Yeah, they do. Yeah, okay. That's pretty cool when you read it. You know, you're waiting on your dinner and you read that and find out who you're compatible with or whoever. Now, don't tell me you never read that, all you holy Joes out there. You've, we've read that. <clears throat> now, listen, what's going to happen in the future? Now, it gives us, if we want to know the future, we need to follow Daniel's example. Listen, I'm going to give you some simple principles tonight. As I begin to study this man's life, I'm telling you, uh, he was a unique individual. But he was no different than you and I. Uh, he, had, he had wisdom beyond his years. Um, and he gleaned it from study. And he gleaned it from a lot of different ways. But we need to follow Daniel's example. Number one, he was a student of the Word. Now, I want, to, I want to get into this just for a moment and kind of give you some insight. He was a student of the Word. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2. Check this out. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the what? Now, what are we studying about? Now, he said, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the Word of the Lord came to the Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, he was studying, and he was reading Jeremiah, and he read Jeremiah's prophecy about a 70-year a judgment that was going to be... And that, that was the reason Daniel was in Babylon, by the way. Because when, when Nebuchadnezzar came down and, 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 and put a siege around the city and destroyed the city, he led away captive the Jewish people out of their homeland. And, and we're going to find out why, they, why God allowed that in just a moment. But by studying this, 
the, the books uh, of, of Jeremiah, he found out there was a certain number of years that were determined that they would be there. So now, uh, is numbers important? And then we're talking about numbers, how God works with numbers. All right, now go to the next scripture reference. Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 10. This is what he read. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. Verse 11. <clears throat> and this whole land shall be a desolation. Talking about the whole nation of Israel. And an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. How long? So Daniel would study in this book found out that, okay, I'm going to start counting up how long we've we been here. And he began to count from the time that he, they went into captivity. He began to count by numbers. He said, man, we're coming to the end of this thing. We're, our 70 years is almost up. And he, he knew. Now go to the next scripture reference. We'll find out why that God determined 70 years on them. Okay? 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 19. And they burnt the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces wherewith, uh, whereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. Why did he determine, I'm going I'm to take you into captivity for 70 years? Why 70 years? Because every seventh year was to be a Sabbath year to the Lord. And every, 40, every 50th year, they would go seven times seven uh, Sabbath years, and the 50th year would be a jubilee year. And so for they had they had they had desecrated 70 Sabbath years. So here's what God did. If you won't do it, if you won't do it out of obedience, I'm gonna give the land rest whether you want to or not. Isn't that what he said? As a result of their disobedience, he said, You're gonna go into captivity for 70 years. And the land laid rest for 70 years because he took all the people off of it. It kind of sounds like the tithe. Let's see. Let's see. Let's get on here. Uh, I don't want to quench the spirit too much here. But the Sabbath is a tithe. It's a type of the tithe. It was, it was set aside. It was a holy year. It was something... That God required. Obedience brings blessing and disobedience or rebellion always brings us problem. How does it bring us problem? Now, now, our disobedience to the Word of God that we know. See, a lot of us know more of the Word of God than we do. Even preachers. Most of us know more of the Word of God than we obey. Come on, we might as well fess up. So, okay, then, then our disobedience gets us into trouble. How does our disobedience get, into, get us into trouble? You reap what you sow. And then in the midst of our issues, then we get real serious with God. 
and our sins that, and, our, and the problems that our sins has reaped in our life causes us to repent and return back to God. And our sins that we have caused in our life is a, is a form of chastisement. And if we don't obey the Word of God willingly, then be assured, just because you get away with it once doesn't mean God, you, you know, because judgment is, isn't, doesn't come speedily, everybody thinks they're getting away with something. You better not live your life like that as a Christian. <clears throat> let, me, let me prophesy over you. Your life is going to be a wreck. Because you're going to make bad decisions after bad decisions after bad decisions. And you're going to wind up uh, in a mess, right? I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm just saying that to enlighten you and give you revelation. Preachers included, we have to, we have to periodically say, whoa. And like Daniel, and we're going to find out like Daniel, we need to do some repenting. And, and get our attitudes back right, get our priorities back straight. Uh, because we get so caught up living in this world, we forget that God is supposed to be first in our life. Is this okay? So he was a student of the Word, and he knew that captivity was almost over. Third, secondly, notice, he was a person of prayer. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3. After he had realized, after revelation come, both time's almost over. The 70 years, he counted them up. 70 years almost, so what did he do? I set my face unto the Lord to seek my prayer supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now he wanted to know. All right, this time's almost up. God knows the future. If I'm going to find out when this thing is almost up and we're going to be released to be able to go back home, then I want to know about it. Listen, all of us could do some improvement on our prayer life. Some simple principles. I mean, somebody preached the other day some simple principles, and it was so simple yet so profound that if we would just do them, uh, would bring us such revelation. And this is simple. First of all, you, you need to be a student of the Word. Get into the book and then become, a, then become a person of prayer. Every one of us could improve our prayer life. And when I say us, I'm talking about me. Okay? Notice. And then thirdly, he reminded God of his covenant. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. He began to rehearse and remind God that, God, you're a covenant God. Okay? Now listen, when you and I pray, it's okay to, to repeat or confess God's promises to you that, that you have received as a person of covenant. You have to have something for your faith to stand on. What does God say about your certain situation? What kind of a promise? He's a God of covenant. God, you're a God of covenant. I'm in this situation. And I'm making my confessions, okay? And we'll talk about that in just a second. And, but I'm reminding you, uh, you're keeping covenant. God, you, God is absolutely faithful to keep covenant. And, and Daniel knew that, so now he's calling upon God's integrity. He's making, he's making a call on God's integrity. And mercy, 
to, to them that love him and to the, them that keep his commandments. So he's, uh, there, there, is, uh, there is things that I repeat to myself during the day. There's promises from God that I have concerning my situations that I face that I repeat, that I have access to, and I have a right to claim because of God's covenant that he made. You have a blood covenant. You are under the blood. And that blood has, has been shed and a covenant has been made. It is a blood covenant. And when you plead the blood of Jesus over your life, you are claiming the covenants and the promises that comes underneath that covenant. So when you are in prayer, remind God. Begin to talk about, to God about the covenants and the promises that you have. He was a student of the Word. He was a person of prayer. He reminded God of His covenant. Notice, he confessed his sins and those of his people. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 5. We have sinned. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. That's another word for sin. And have done wickedly, which is another word for sin. And have what? Rebelled, which is another word for sin. Even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments, we have sinned. If you read the, the famous prayers, read Daniel's prayers, go to Nehemiah, read his prayers. They were always confessing their sins and the sins of their people. When you pray for America, you pray, God, forgive me of my sins and forgive America for her sins because America has sinned. We have rebelled against your covenant. We have rebelled against your ordinance and precepts. We have, we have done that. So we confess the sin, our sins and the sins of our nation. Now, does God already know that our nation has sinned? Absolutely. But we go ahead and we're honest with God and we say, look, hey, we're a, we're a sinful people, okay? So he confessed his sins. Have you read his, his prayer? I'm going to give you some verses here. We'll start with verse 13. In his prayer, he makes some astounding. He makes some astounding statements. Verse 13, as it, is, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. All these things have come, and we still stayed rebellious and stiff-necked and, and wouldn't, wouldn't repent, uh, and he's confessing that, okay? He, he is being honest with God. Verse 17, now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant, and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Do it for your sake. Shine, let your face shine upon us. Yes, we've sinned. Yes, we've blown it. But we're calling upon you. Give, give our, us your attention one more time. Grant your favor on us one more time. I, don't, I mean, when we pray, I think sometimes we need to get really serious with God. And all these things are emotional. He's not just... In a prayer, saying, oh, God, you know, we've sinned. Uh, eh, you know, our people sinned. I mean, that's not the way these guys prayed. They were very emotional, very loud. I'm telling you, he is, he is screaming to God. He is praying. There is prayer, and then there is prayer. I, 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 the old time, we used to call it travailing in prayer. There's a difference in prayer and boy, getting anointed in prayer. And Daniel is getting anointed in prayer. He's serious. Now, I, 
I want to know some things here, God. Uh, I know our, by number the, this thing is just about up, uh, and we're going to be able to get out of here. But now he's getting serious with God in his prayer. Verse 18. <clears throat> oh, my God, incline thy ear and hear. Open thy eyes, and behold our desolation, the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. Man, I, I guess we're, I mean, it's for your great, great mercies that we're doing all this stuff. It's for your, it's for your reputation, God. It's the city bears your name and the sanctuary bears your name. It was for your glory, your benefit, God. Okay, go to verse 19. I like this. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. Oh, my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Oh, God, come on the scene. If we have any favor, if our prayers mean anything, God. Is that okay? I mean, Daniel is a person of prayer, but I'm telling you, he knows how to pray. Now, notice, look who shows up, verse 21. <laughs> you want results? Yea, and while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, huh, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Gabriel shows up. You want some, you want some activity on your prayers? <laughs> you talking, how would you like for old Gabriel to show up, tap you on the shoulder? And get, get, I mean, you know, if we get serious in prayer, somebody's going to show up. The Holy Ghost to show up, and old Gabriel, the messenger angel, man, he, he taps, him, taps him on the shoulder. And I'm, I brought the answer to your prayer. I'm going to reveal to you what's going to happen. God's going to show you the future. He's going to let you know. And Gabriel begins to share with him in four powerful verses. He interprets Daniel's prayer and gives him four verses of prophecy, probably the most Powerful prophecy in the Scriptures. Verse 24 of Daniel chapter 9 gives the scope of the entire prophecy. Seventy weeks of years are determined, now get this, for your people and for your holy city. Seventy weeks of years are 70 times 7. 490 years are determined upon your people and upon your holy city. And notice that there's six things in verse 24 that are going to be accomplished. Number one, finish the transgression. All of these six things refer to the Hebrew people. We're going to finish the transgression. What does that mean? Rebellion. The Jewish people rejected and rebelled against Jesus. They rejected him as the Messiah. Now, it's very interesting. Now, I, I thought about this. In fact, Jesus was surprised that a lot of the priests didn't know who he was. Because Daniel knew, because Daniel knew from studying the number of the days that the captivity would end 
Now, the same book, Daniel, was around some 300 years before Christ even came. It is a, it's one of the most um, uh, studied books in the Bible. The, the scribes should have known about this prophecy because this prophecy holds the key to the Messiah and gives them the exact timeline and the days that the Messiah would come. So when the Messiah came and they rejected him, Jesus was kind of, you know, in fact, he said, and I couldn't, I looked for it, but couldn't, he, he was surprised that they didn't know who he was. Because if it had been students of the word, they would have known exactly when he was going to show up because Daniel's prophecy gives the exact year he's going to come. In fact, if you count it out by the days, he gives them an exact day that the Messiah is going to come into Jerusalem riding on a colt. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. You need to just remember them. To finish the transgression, there'll be, there'll be a, a point in the future when rebellion in Israel will cease. Notice what? To make an end of sin. Israel will not, will, they'll come to the point in their, in their life where they'll no longer sin against God. All right? Make reconciliation for iniquity. Now, what, what is that? How can that be? The cross, we, we've already made reconciliation for our sins, but the Jewish people don't, don't accept him as Messiah, so the cross means nothing to them. The cross is just a religious system or a symbol of Christians, and Christians has caused them more heartache than any, I mean, the Crusades and all that uh, under the name of Christianity that killed uh, thousands of Jewish people was under the sign of the cross. And so all they see is, is, is the cross, that, which means nothing to them. But to us, it means reconciliation of sin. Zechariah said there'll be a point in time in the tribulation period when a spirit of supplication and intercession will be poured out upon Israel, and they'll repent and accept Christ as the Messiah. The one they have rejected, they'll, they'll one day turn and, and accept as the Messiah. So, so this, this length of time, this prophecy is determined to, to cause all these things, to bring in everlasting righteousness. When Jesus comes back, the law will go forth from Jerusalem. Righteousness will reign. Peace. The earth will know peace like it's never known before. Righteousness will prevail. To seal up the vision and the prophecy, when Christ comes, sets up his kingdom, there'll be no need for any more prophets. There'll be no need for another uh, for another Bible to be written. We'll have the Son of God with us. We'll have His presence. We'll have, we'll, we'll, if, if we want to know something, we're going to know. Okay, so seal up the prophet, bring it into it, the vision, and to anoint the most holy. If, it, could be, it could be a reference to the temple that's going to be rebuilt. Uh, I don't know exactly, but we know this, whatever this refers to is going to be future. Okay? The number 490, 490, and 70 stand for restoration and rest. Matthew chapter 18. I, think, I hope I got these verses right. <clears throat> 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And, and Peter thought he's really going the extra mile. <clears throat> and he said, how about if I just forgive him seven times in the day? That be enough? Then Jesus kind of blows his mind and says, no, go to verse 22 and see. 
Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Which is, you can't, somebody can't sin against you that much in a day. It means complete forgiveness, restoration, and rest. And so 490 stands for restoration and rest. This prophecy is broke up into three parts. And someone said, I needed a large, larger pin. <clears throat> and you might have to move if you want to see this, okay? This prophecy is broke up into three sections. Okay, the first section was, was uh, until the going forth. I don't know if we have this up here. Until the going forth, the first one is seven times seven or 49 years. Uh, rebuilding in Nehemiah chapter 2, you can find reverence uh, to the, from the going forth to build the streets from the wall of Jerusalem. From the time in Nehemiah chapter 2, most, most theologians, most, uh, if you want to study it, King Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah, gives him letters, gives him money, gives him uh, liberty to, to uh, leave uh, Babylon, go back and rebuild the city and rebuild. The temple's already been rebuilt under Ezra uh, a few, few years early, uh, earlier, but the walls and the streets were still broken down. So in Nehemiah chapter 2, you read that Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah the, the liberty to go home and rebuild the walls and the street. And it takes 49 years from the time he started to the time they dedicated the city in chapter, I think it's chapter 12 of, of Nehemiah. It talks about the, when they, they blew the horns, the, the joy, the singing. Uh, you could be heard all over the surrounding country when they begin to dedicate the buildings and the streets and the walls. It took 49 years to do that. 49 is a number of the wrath of God. If you read in Revelation, you'll find out that there were seven angels that was given seven bowls full of the wrath of God of God to be poured out on the world. Seven times seven is 49. Stands for the wrath of God. The next amount of time was 62 weeks. This was, this was seven weeks or seven times seven. And the next one is 62 weeks or 62 times seven. 434 years. From the time the wall and the streets and everything, the dedication service to the coming of the Messiah when he come into the City of Jerusalem riding on a colt, uh, some 434 more years, which, which brings, uh, what, 483 years of this prophecy has been fulfilled. Now, what, what stopped this prophecy? The Messiah shall be cut off. Now, you need to understand this. At this point in time, this prophecy clock stopped. Okay? The clock stopped. And there, there's a reason why this clock stopped. Because this prophecy is concerning what? What's the two things this prophecy is concerning? Israel, your people, and your holy city. They were scattered. Titus came. The Roman general Titus came, uh, destroyed the temple, scattered the Jews. Messiah was cut off. And at that point in time, this clock, this prophecy clock stopped right here. Why? Because it, the city, they lost the city. It is a reference to the city, Jerusalem. 
the people were scattered, okay? And so this prophecy clock stopped. Now, but I, I want you to understand something. This prophecy concerns Israel, and this gap of time that was inserted uh, was inserted the church age. Go to Luke chapter 21 and verse 24 on the screen. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. This right here, times of the Gentiles. And then from right here, the church age. Okay? But all this bottom line is the age of the Gentiles. Now, what's going to cause this clock to start? What makes it so important that Israel is back in the land? When was it that Israel became uh, recognized as a state again? 1948. Israel, after World War II, Israel went back to the land of Palestine. And she was, she was recognized as, as officially a state. But at that point in time, they did not control the city of Jerusalem. At what year did they get control of the city of Jerusalem? In the Six-Day War in 1967, they, they took the city uh, in that Six-Day War. They once again, after some what, 1,800 years? I forget, some 1,800 years of being scattered. They, for the first time and all that time, the Jewish people once again had control of the city of Jerusalem. And I believe at that time, in 1967, it started, this clock can start ticking at any moment. Because this prophecy is a reverence to your people and to your holy city. And I did, I did some things with numbers. Um, 42 is the number of the return of Christ. Remember in Matthew, it talked about three or successive generations from Abraham to Christ. From Abraham to Christ is 2,000 years. And if you, kind of, if you divide 42 into those 2,000, I think I come up between 67, the number 67, or 68. I don't know. Uh, Becky, you figure, can you divide that up? I, I think it's pretty close. I think it's either number 67 are 68 is a generation. If that, if, when, when we're dividing those generations into that amount of years. What, what are we getting close to? Okay. But I, it was, I, I put the number 48 down because I think it falls between 67 and whatever. Somebody can add that up or divide that up and let me know. But if you'll add, if you'll add these numbers up from 1967... And if you'll add like 48 to it, you'll come out with 2015, which is next year that the blood moons are going to be on display and all of those things that are being predicted are going to change. And it could very well be that this clock is ticking. Now, the last part of this clock is a seven-year period. And it says in the middle of the seventh year, in the middle of the seventh year, the covenant that the man of sin, go to, go to your verses back to Daniel chapter, go to 9.27. The rise of the man of sin. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, which is talking about 
a week of years, seven years. And in the middle of the week, this man, whoever he is, is going to break covenant. Now notice, in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about he shall be given power for 42 months to rule. 42 is the number of the coming of Jesus. From the middle of the tribulation period, you can count to the day Jesus is going to return back. Rapture of the church could happen tonight. I'm going to close with this. You know why Daniel was so disturbed and wanting to know about all these things? Because he saw that his people wasn't interested in going home. They had got so settled in Babylon that when, when the decree, to, you're free to go, came, only a few of them left. The vast majority of the Israeli people stayed in Babylon, never went home. Even though they had the freedom to go home and they had received the instructions, they didn't want to go. How does that relate to us? We have been told repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, keep your priorities straight, keep your spirit right, Jesus is coming, and the church world, a vast majority of the church world is not ready to go, nor do they want to go. We're attached to this world. We're attached to the pleasures of this world more than we're attached to the things of God. And what disturbed Daniel was he saw his people was so bogged down and entrenched in Babylon, they didn't want to go home. And as a pastor, I see that all over our world, in church all over the world, a vast majority of Christians, even though we've been warned, even though we've been told, even though the prophets have prophesied, even though we know the prophecies, even though we know the return of Christ is real and near, it really doesn't move us anymore. It's true. He's going to come. He's going to get here. I wish I had a couple. You got you give me two minutes? Now listen. When when this comes and the clock starts and, and the church takes place, God's focus is going to be on His people, not the world. Why is that going to affect us? <clears throat> Listen to me. People can still get saved. Gentiles can still get saved. Very difficult. Because God's attention is going to be turned back to His people. He's trying to get His people, His covenant people the Jewish people read it. The days of the Gentiles, the age of the Gentiles ends at the end of the church age. And so God is wanting to uh, fulfill his covenant with the Jewish people. You know, the tribulation period is, is a period of time that's, that is for the Jewish people, not the church. It's determined, it, it is a judgment on this world, but specifically to turn Israel around. And the world will be judged with it. So you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is not necessarily going to be ministering to the church. 
He'll be ministering. Yes, the word will go forth. Yes. Then, yes, can Christians, can you, can you serve God? If you miss the rapture church, you're going to be able yeah, I believe you can make it. You're going to give your head. You're going to die for your witness. But I think you'll make it. You can make it. Okay? But specifically, God is going to be dealing with the nation of Israel because he's going to fulfill the covenant with them. Church has had their chance. Man, that's, I know that sounds terrible. Now, does that mean that God's not going to, you know, I'm yeah, he's going to deal with anybody that has a sincere heart. You call upon the Lord, I mean, I mean, there'll be a lot of people calling, but I'm telling you, it'd be very, very difficult when you're faced, when you're faced with issues you're going to be faced with. I know we say a, a lot of things, but I'm just thinking about those Islamic guys. If they had your hands tied behind your back and had you bent over and you seen the head of the guy that's just in front of you that gave his head and they're saying, if you recant your faith, you'll live. I ain't no hero, to tell you the truth. I don't want to have to be faced with that. I know that God would hopefully give you grace to go through that, but I'm telling you, that you talk about fear, you can taste fear. That's going to be an awful time. Or if your child is there, and a lot, a lot of people think, well, do you believe in baby damnation? No. But, I, but how many children were saved during the flood? Zero. Did they make heaven when they died? Yeah, they would be with the Lord. A lot of people think all the innocent children would be gone at the rapture of the church. That's not true. When they die, and they will, they'll go to be with the Lord. Uh, now, if you're Christians and everything, your family is sanctified, and, and your children under the age of accountability, they'll go. But boy, that, you see your little kids standing there, and they'll say, you recant or I'll cut their head off. You'll give your life for that kid. Man, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through that. Let's be ready to meet God, okay? All right. I didn't want, I probably let, stopped on a downer, okay? But just know it's coming. It's, we live in, we are living in that moment, okay? Living in that moment. All right. I'm going to dismiss, but don't leave. We've got to get some chairs out, and we've got to, got to do some stuff up on top, all right? Some of you young men, all you healthy young guys, all you muscle-bound boys,